Believe it or not, it's Christmas time again. Um, December starts on Thursday. Uh, we're on the other side of Thanksgiving now. So like it or not, we are all kind of in our final approach toward Christmas and New Year's. And that means it's time to start doing the Christmas stuff. Right? You got to get the decorations out of the garage. Um, it's time to get your Christmas cards out if you're into that sort of thing. We got to get our, our travel plans finalized. Are we going to them? Are they coming to us? Are we driving? Are we flying? Which family members can we get away with not having to see? <laughs> it's time to do the Christmas stuff. And I'll be honest with you guys. When I was a kid, I used to love Christmas, mainly because I had my like Christmas toy list out to my parents like four months in advance. Um, but now that I'm grown and I have a job and I have a family of my own, I got to be real with you guys. I think about doing the Christmas stuff and there's a part of me that's like, oh, do I gotta? Anybody else feel like that? No, just me, really? <laughs> Liars. All right, so if, if, if you've been in church for a while, like many of us have. You've heard a lot of Christmas things growing up and we are told that the, the best way to kind of combat that feeling of being overwhelmed or being just plain weary of, around the holidays is to focus on the reason for the season, right? What is that? Well, spoiler alert, Christmas is when we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, maybe the third most significant event in the Christian faith after, I would say, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And when we focus on that, when we, when we kind of stay honed in on that, we've got a decent chance of kind of staying balanced through the holiday. But year after year, Christmas after Christmas, it's really easy to just kind of get numb to the whole thing or to get wrapped up in the never-ending to-do list, all the chores, all the tasks. And also, ugh, Christmas can be a really sad time of year, right? For a lot of reasons. Maybe you lost somebody this year and this is the first year that you have to do Christmas without them. Maybe this year you like just can't get to anybody and so this is the first year that you're like on your own for Christmas. Or maybe this year the money is stretched so unbelievably thin that you literally have to choose between presents and food. And yet, it's Christmas, and the entire idea of the birth of Jesus is that God, God, is with us. So, Today we're starting our Christmas series. It's called God With Us. And over the next several weeks, uh, we're going to be just talking about what that even means to have the creator of the universe by our side all the time and what that should mean for us. What that should uh, change about how we do Christmas. And so my hope today is that this sermon and really this entire series will be an encouragement to you guys so that if you are facing the most difficult Christmas of your life, you will still know in your bones that God is still with you. So let's just get started with it. If you're ready to get started, say, let's go. Thank you, loud person. So we got to start with the Christmas story, right? Like what's, what's it all about, this Christmas thing? Um, one of my favorite Christmas traditions growing up was watching this thing called the Charlie Brown Christmas Special. Uh, and this is, uh, uh, along with Rudolph and Frosty and like the Chipmunk Christmas and a bunch of other like classic Christmas shows that would be on TV every year. And for the record, this is back in the day when if you wanted to watch something on TV, you actually had to be physically sitting in front of the TV when it actually aired, right? Some of you guys remember that and some of you are like, wait, what? 
<sighs> but at the end of the Charlie Brown Christmas, Linus gives this whole speech on stage about what Christmas is supposed to be about. And look, if it's good enough for Linus, it's good enough for me. So I'm literally just going to read this same passage of scripture that Linus takes his, his monologue from. So if you've got your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 2. It's in the New Testament. This is kind of like the quintessential Christmas uh, text. And we're just going to read this starting at verse 8. And it says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you great news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So if our first task is to kind of define what Christmas is about, there's your answer right there. God Almighty sends his own son into the world, effectively God himself becoming a person. And this was an event that was foretold for centuries through different signs and wonders and prophecies. Just one of those comes from Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 where it says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel is an old Hebrew name that just means God with us. God with us. What does that mean? What does that look like? Um, the Bible as a whole kind of presents God as being omnipresent, okay? God sees everything, God knows everything, and he's kind of everywhere at once. Um, and when I was younger, I tried to kind of make sense of that like this. We've all watched movies and TV shows where somebody was like running surveillance, right? Like they're sitting on a desk or like a booth, and they've got all these TV screens in front of them, right? And all these different TV monitors are kind of hooked to a different uh, camera, and this person can sit in one place and can can see everything that happens within that building or the bank or whatever we're talking about. So when I was a kid, I used to kind of think of God like that. I imagined God was like sitting up in heaven in this like cosmic surveillance booth. And he had this like infinite like computer display, right? With like limitless TV monitors on it. And God could literally see everything at once. That was how my mind kind of worked back then. Um, and maybe still kind of, I don't know. But as I've gotten older and I've learned more of the science behind who God must be in order to have created all this, now I understand God, check this out, to be an entity whose very presence actually fills all of time and space. He is literally everywhere all the time because God's character, his knowledge, his power, his majesty, and just all the things that make God, God, are so vast that it actually inhabits and even extends beyond the limits of creation itself. 
It's kind of like if you take a, a fish bowl, right, like a large glass, glass, uh, glass bowl, and you fill it up with water, you can still have a bunch of stuff in the bowl, right? Like you've got your little props and your plants and your pirate ships or whatever, and maybe you've got, uh, there's rocks on the bottom, and you've got as many fish as you can fit in the bowl comfortably, but every single thing in that bowl is swimming in H2O, right? To the point of overflowing. So I kind of think of, of the whole universe now as kind of a giant glass bowl. And God's presence fills and permeates everything to infinity and beyond. So, question for you, question for me. Why in the world do we allow ourselves to feel lonely when we are all the time, everywhere, literally drowning in the presence of God. Like, by, by what reasoning do we let ourselves feel alone or forgotten or unseen when we are in the midst of the presence of God all the time? He said rhetorically, but mostly to myself. It doesn't make rational sense, but we know that our feelings aren't rational, right? Like your feelings are a reaction to what's going on and they just kind of do what they do. But my, my first thing that I want to encourage you with today is that no matter what you might feel or experience this holiday season, you are not alone, ever. You are not unseen. You are not unappreciated. In Psalm 139, David, King David, one of my, my heroes, puts it like this. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, spoiler alert, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me me fast. So point number one, guys, is that God is with us because God is with everyone, everywhere, all the time, because he's God that way. And all of creation is saturated with his majesty and his presence. But there's a second thing when it means God is with us, Emmanuel. And that is, thanks to Jesus, we have this thing called the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, depending on what denomination you're from. Um, and I'm not going to get super into this because we could like teach a whole series on the Holy Spirit and maybe we will at some point. But I just want to take a second and call your attention to something kind of cool from the Bible that you might have missed. In the Old Testament, God does this thing where the Spirit of God would come upon people for a period of time, moments or minutes or even a few years, and it would empower them to do amazing things, and then it would leave. Let me give you a couple of examples of this. So, uh, let's see. First Samuel chapter 10, King Saul, if you've heard of him back when he was still right with God, had an encounter with some prophets. And in verse 10, it says, the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he joined in their prophesying. In the book of Judges, there was a guy named Othniel, which I may or may not be pronouncing properly. And he led the nation of Israel for a time, and this is how he got the job. In chapter 3 of Judges, starting in verse 9, it says, But when they cried out to the Lord, he raised up for them a deliverer, Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, who saved them. The Spirit of the Lord came on him so that he became Israel's judge and went to war. Speaking of judge, let's go someplace else. In the book of Judges, you guys might remember my boy Samson I preached on a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of months ago, I think. In Judges chapter 14, Samson basically gets jumped by a lion. 
And in verse six, verse 6, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands. Ouch. Lastly, getting back to King Saul, you guys may know that Saul was king over Israel for, for many, many years, but ended up getting rejected by God for being disobedient. And the scripture says the Spirit of God left him. And it was obvious to the point where years later, King David, who was keenly aware of how God's spirit had abandoned this man, wrote these words. This is Psalm 51. Created me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So in the Old Testament, generally speaking, we see the Spirit of God kind of showing up on people as an anointing or as a, a presence or in some cases kind of a last minute like anime power up. And it lets them do these miraculous things. But all of that changes when Jesus shows up. Because Jesus lives dies, is resurrected, is ascended, and then 10 days later we have this thing called Pentecost where the Holy Spirit comes down to earth and begins to dwell inside people. The Spirit stops leaving. It comes permanently to set up shop inside the souls of believers. That means if you are in Christ, whether you're listening to me here or listening to me online, if you are in Christ, the Spirit of God actually comes to live inside of you, to dwell in you. It basically God saying, guess what? I'm here now. I'm not going anywhere. We're doing life together from now on. So in the Old Testament, the Spirit comes upon people. But now, thanks to God, uh, thanks to Jesus, God is inhabiting those of us who are believers in Christ to mark us, to set us apart, to allow us access to God's power to do his will 24-7. Do you guys get how cool that is? The same power that created all of creation and is holding everything together at the seams is accessible to us to change things. Am I the only one who thinks this is cool? Seriously? Guys, in Christ, we now have access to the most powerful cheat code in existence. The power and the presence of God Almighty. If it's cool, say amen. amen. That's right. So, I repeat, why in the world do we let us get down on ourselves when in Christ we are roommates with God? I have a scripture that I want us to read out loud this morning, and it's Psalm 23. When I was a kid, my mom made us memorize Psalm 23 in its entirety, the whole thing. At the time, I was annoyed. Over the years, it has brought me immeasurable comfort. And as soon as my two girls are old enough to remember song lyrics that are more complicated than Word Party and Daniel Tiger, they're going to learn Psalm 23. But we're going to read this out loud together right now because in terms of God being with us, this is a fantastic snapshot of what that's supposed to look like. So here goes Psalm 23. We're going to read this together. You ready? Go. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So it's Christmas time. The time when we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. What does Emmanuel mean? It means surely goodness and love will follow us all the days of our lives. Even when it doesn't feel like that. Even when it doesn't seem like that. Because sometimes, yeah, you just feel lonely. You feel confused. You feel lost. But God is still with you. Emmanuel means you are not alone. Those four words mean a great deal to me. I have learned through my own experience that... Sometimes when a person is hurting and they're broken and they're getting beat up and stomped by life, the most encouraging thing that you can say to them is, you are not alone. Somebody said that to me years ago. I was, this, is, this was a long time ago. I was working at a, a church in North Carolina. Um, and I was, I was doing music there, but I was helping out with the youth group. So uh, I, was, I was going through a, a really ugly time. The really ugly, like even now I look back on that, that season of my life and I just like cringe. Um, so I, I went to youth group one night. I, I got there early because we had some stuff to set up. Uh, and I walked in and I remember the youth pastor at the time, his name was Jared. He's a fantastic guy. Jared got up and came right over to me. And he said, hey man, I just want you to know that we heard about what's going on with you. And I just want you to know that you're not alone. I know there's nothing I can do, but we're here. If you need something, let us know. But just know that you're not alone. And just those words meant everything. It made such a difference in my life. Because he was right. There was nothing he could do to fix the problem. But just to know that I wasn't in it by myself, that somebody saw me, that somebody understood, that somebody could relate, just made a world of difference. So if you're, out, if you're ever out there, if you're ever out there and somebody is um, crying on your shoulder, they're pouring out their heart to you, they're broken, they're in despair, and then there's that moment where they look at you and they're like, this is the part where you say something to make me feel better. And you're like, uh, give them these four words. You are not alone. Somebody sees you. Somebody cares. Somebody can relate. And even if I can't fix it, just know that you're not in it by yourself. If you're listening to me today, whether here in the building or online, or you know what, you actually might be watching this like days or weeks after I said this, because we do post these online for anybody to find. So even if I'm talking to you right now in the future, listen to me, because this is for you too. You're not alone. 
You are not alone. Whatever it is, no matter what you've lost, no matter how much it hurts, no matter how hopeless you might feel, God is with you everywhere. You cannot escape him. And if all that weren't enough, he sends his spirit to live inside of you just so you never forget. You're not alone. So what's our next step? What do we, what do, we do with all that? What should all of this inspire us to do? Here it is. Keep seeking the Lord. Keep seeking the Lord. God might be right with you your whole life, but that still doesn't mean you necessarily know him very well, right? So spend time getting to know God, listening to him, growing in his spirit. Study his word until his thoughts are your thoughts. Fill your house, your car, your life with the sound of his praise and his worship so that in everything you learn to give thanks. Get involved in church. Get involved in church. Get involved in a neighborhood life group where you can watch God and participate as God is making a difference in people's lives just like you. One of my favorite verses is uh, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 and it says, and without faith it is what? To please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who what? Earnestly seek him. So keep seeking him. Don't stop. There are people in this room and within the sound of my voice who have experienced homelessness and hunger and you know that. You've slept on benches and you've eaten from dumpsters and you've stood on the side of the road holding signs. But you weren't alone. God was with you then and God is with you now. Why did God let you get to that place? I have no idea. But you're still here. He's not done with you yet. So keep seeking him. There are people within the sound of my voice who have contemplated and even attempted suicide. But you're still here. Why did God let you get to that low of a place? I have no idea. But he's not done with you yet. So keep seeking him. There are people here who have suffered abuse. Physical, verbal, sexual. At the hands of people you trusted. People who are supposed to be looking out for you. And I'm so sorry. You say, why did God let that happen to me? I'm not even going to try to give you a simple Sunday school answer to that question. Also, I have no idea. But you're still here. God was with you then. He's with you now. He's not done with you yet. So keep seeking him. How can God allow cancer, rape, wildfires, mass shootings, car accidents, fill in the blank. I don't know. But I do know this. He turns graves into gardens. He turns seas into highways. 
He turns grief and mourning into dancing. He's the only one who can. He can't work a miracle in your life if there's nothing to redeem. So keep seeking him. Don't give up. God is with you in every conceivable way. Go forward. You are not alone. And somehow, all of that starts. All of that comes down to that cheesy little manger scene that's in the front yard of your neighbor's house. God with us. Emmanuel. So, from now through the end of the year, as you wrestle with wiring Christmas lights, as you are Googling recipes for cookies, as you are fighting for a parking spot at Target, and all of the little mundane things that make up so much of this life, remember he's there. He's right there. In those moments of frustration and loneliness, even the boring stuff, you can talk to him, include him in what you're doing. That's what he wants, to be a bigger part of our lives. You are not alone. So keep seeking him. Today, every day, especially here at the holidays. Because after all, it's Christmas time. The time where we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen.